What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Opening day, April Fools. And uh, we got no fool running the show today. He's wearing his royal blue. We say hi to Willie J. Will Wilson. We just held him at gunpoint. Kidding. Kidding, kidding. It was more of a trank dart setup. But Will Wilson is back in. How are you, man? Good, Schmitty. What's going on, dude? Nothing. I mean, you are you are fired up. It's opening day. You're a giant baseball fan. You grew up loving the Royals. Kansas City. This was hilarious. You have Sam Mellinger, longtime Kansas City media member. So the 2021 Royals booed for 15 minutes into (laughs) the season opener, narrowly breaking the record of 16 minutes set for the 2012 crew. Oh, man. So we're already breaking records. All right. Yeah, the the wrong kind. Oh, yeah. Dude. (laughs) uh, Now, Alex Gordon threw out the first pitch at Kaufman, which was awesome. And yet, Bintende uh, taking Gordo's spot in the outfield. <clears throat> Little rough for Kansas City in the first. Uh, five yeah. allowed. And that includes Bintende making a great play, narrowly missing a tribute gold glove highlight to Gordon, and then also a play at the plate, a one-hopper laser from the outfield to cut down another run. But, <laughs> dot, 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 Kansas City, his... Come back to tie uh, Uncle Mark Schmidt's uh, Texas Rangers. Unbelievable. Five to five right now. They both went for two and missed. I'll, I'll take it, man. Or a safety and a field goal for, for complete math. But we'll dive into some baseball thoughts. The magic of opening day, the difference uh, of what a year makes, more spring football thoughts. And, you know, are you expecting a, a true change from Nebraska football? based on what you've heard narrative-wise from the head coach and his assistant coaches, or as a Nebraska fan, are your arms folded and you're sitting up straight or standing up straight with a stern look on your face just saying, just show me, bro. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. We'll, we'll get into to what Nebraska has done and uh, what Nebraska has not done. Uh, look at some of the pass-catching options. We'll get into some NFL draft. We'll make some Major League Baseball predictions. We'll talk about stadiums you've been to or want to get to. And also an idea from Mike Gundy, a, a fellow mullet brother of yours, Willie J. Now, when it comes to an idea about spring football, uh, Russ Landy, NFL Draft Insider, coming up in about 15 minutes. I want his take on the quarterbacks. And some of his reaction on 
how some of the Husker guys did in their 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 uh, their pro day, and if, if any Nebraska guys, how just how high they they might be on the radar is you know we're inching closer here. Uh, we're into April, end of April's when the draft starts. You'll hear that here on ESPN Radio. Gary Barnett, uh, Coach Barnett, we will talk trick plays with him since it is April Fool's Day. We'll get into some of that. Brandon Vogel with us. Uh, he is at Wrigley. We will catch up with Danny Burke, the pride of Chicago. Burke's best bets in hour two. Numbers to dial us up, 466-3776-466-3776. Email chris at hailvarsity.com. If you're outside the Lincoln area, 800-825-5865. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. And uh, Willie J, give me your Twitter again, at Willie J. Yeah, you can find me at Willie on the radio. At Willie on the radio. Yes, sir. At Willie on the radio. And uh, with MLB back at it, pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. The scene in Detroit makes me think of like the coldest sporting, one of the coldest sporting events I ever went to. And uh, you have Miggy Cabrera going yard work in Detroit as snow has, is, is falling. It's really an incredible scene and very apropos for the Tigers. But I went to Detroit l- mid to late May. We got out of college early. It was one of my sophomore years at Nebraska. So I went with my buddy Jay, and we went to Detroit. He had family in Detroit. He had family in Chicago. So we saw the Cubs in May. Oh, jeez. And, and then we it was like... Five of us in in the old old Tiger Stadium. This is like late nineties, wow. and Jeremy or Jason Giambi bummed me a chew because they were warming up in the outfield. It was Oakland? Yeah, uh, don't chew, kids. But the point is, I love it. Is like it's just oh. us in the outfield. <laughs> we go into yeah. this dive bar just across from Old Tiger Stadium, and I thought we were all going to get our butt kicked because. People are rocking Kino. There's there's non filters and and Miller High Life rocking, which is fine if that's your beer. But you walk in before a, a matinee game, and you look up and you walk into the wrong bar. Two little snot nosed college kids. But in Chicago in May, we showed up in without a coat, without a coat. Didn't quite go shorts because hey, it's May. No, it was cold. It was cold. It was cold in the bleachers. But it was it was well worth it to to check out Chicago. I got to get back to Wrigley, so uh, excited for that. I got to get down to Kaufman this year, mm. and I'm really jacked about trying to get out to Colorado at some point. That you know what? That's and we'll get into like favorite stadiums and also kind of that bucket list of of Major League Baseball shrines you want to visit. Uh, so uh, with the spring game uh, uh, a month away. We uh, have a, a great idea here from Oklahoma State head coach Mike Gundy. And Gundy's like, how about, and he talked to the Oklahoman about this, how about an inner, kind of an inner campus spring game? It's like, why not? Let's, if I'm Oklahoma State, I've got Arkansas that we could play. Nebraska's not far away. Just a couple of names he threw out. How would that grab you as a Nebraska fan? I love it. Yeah, I love it. And would you just eat into profits a little bit and keep bringing people in? Would you go neutral site, Arrowhead? Oh. For I'm just I'm just asking because the spring game, everyone from all corners of the state, that's the one game you can usually get into in, in normal years. I know it's oh, yeah. a little different this year, but it'd be really awesome to see your team, kind of like the NFL during training camp, you'll have the... The Cowboys play the Rams or 
Green Bay play, sure. uh, you know, kind of a partner that's, that's practicing near them. Yeah. Green Bay, Detroit, or I, I don't quite know the matchups, but it's not uncommon to have your squad against somebody else's squad in the NFL. Have you, has this idea ever been brought up before? I'm sure it's been brought up, but you have a head football coach that wins yeah. about eight or nine games a year and does pretty well in the Big 12 in Coach Gundy, obviously a flamboyant personality. Right. Well, and I think of basketball. I mean, they do secret scrimmages, you know. Right. Don't roll in or yeah. Nebraska played Iowa State right. not long ago in the, uh, you know, the doors are locked. It's only, <laughs> it's only coaches and players for right. the, for the, let's see where we're at scrimmage. Sure. So I'd love this. And if I'm Nebraska... I'd lob a phone call to Colorado State. I'd lob a phone call to North Dakota State. I know they're playing this spring, or South Dakota, or 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 South Dakota State, Kansas. Yeah, I mean, you know, Kansas just down the road, Kansas State. I mean, there, there's a lot worse opponents out there to to practice against. I.e., yourself is your fourth team or fifth team better. Then you do a quarter of ones versus ones against Colorado State or North Dakota State. And then you do twos versus twos, threes versus threes, fours versus fours. Now, what's been good historically is you get a few series for your returning starter that someday you pray will be all conference. They go eat a hot dog and everybody else gets in. The spring game's the game where everybody gets to play, and that's why you put in all the work. Now, the the downside to this is are you gonna you know lose that air quote extra home game? You know what you know what spring football games have been like here? It's been incredible, except for the great flood a few years ago that wiped out the spring game last year's COVID and reduced numbers this year. Nebraska and Alabama are always knocking on that door of several thousand, seventy, eighty, ninety thousand people. There's been some incredible spring game moments. I remember when Adrian got here and how he kind of took the you know took the ball and ran, uh, not not necessarily literally, but he kind of came in and 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 won over, yeah, teammates and coaches. And you're like, wow, right? I mean, that stage allowed him in a controlled setting to kind of set the tone and, and have a really nice freshman season. So there's pros and cons to it. I love Gundy's attitude. I don't think you do it every year, but some years if you can talk somebody in, there are programs that just don't draw anything for their spring game. That's true. I now, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what I would say about this, though, about inter, uh, intersecting your spring game here, intercampus spring games, the one thing you do get with the offense and defense that's trying to improve, defense knows what you're going to do on offense a lot of times. Defense is usually ahead of the offense. And you got to just be better on offense, right? To truly get better on offense, you might be better off going against your own crew because you got to be that much better at your execution. Doesn't matter if they know where we're running that we're still going to run it, right? Yeah. And go get your five or six yards on first down, hopefully. So something to chew on there. If I were to draft, I would I would keep it in the region. I'd give Kansas a phone call. I'd give K-State a phone call. K-State usually draws pretty well. I mean, it's a ghost town. You can fire a cannon down in Lawrence. Yeah. Not hit anybody, especially now. Yeah, uh, Roy Williams has retired. <laughs> Speaking of Kansas, was knocking on national championship doors at KU. Got the call from the Carolina Mafia, the Godfather Dean. 
Smith said, you're coming home, Roy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, three national championships and 903 wins later. It's weird to see news like this about a legend and Hall of Famer and Roy Williams retiring on April Fool's Day because immediately you call BS. Other things you've seen today, somebody tweeted out a picture of Adrian Martinez transferring to Tennessee on social media, uh, which was the ultimate um, uh, I, I, April Fool's. Yeah. But, you know, it still did not go over well. Yeah. And we'll talk to Gary Barnett about some trick plays, but this is really cool. Uh, a lot of social media love with uh, this play from Nebraska that they ran in the 84 Orange Bowl. When we talk about tricks and fools, well, we all think the, the U uh, <laughs> are a bunch of fools, uh, even though they're, uh, they're really talented. But how about a, a tribute here on April Fool's to Dean Steincooler? Third to long five. He left it perfectly. The old fumble Ruski touchdown to break the ice against Miami in that uh, vintage Orange Bowl game. And a lot of tricks in college football. Coach Osborne was incredible with trick plays. You had the fumble Ruski, the last fumble Ruski in the history. They're like dinosaurs. They're now extinct. Ran uh, was uh, by Will Shields, I believe, against Colorado in 1992. I think Will Shields is the record for offensive lineman yards per carry, not scoring a touchdown. I think Steinkuhler went about 22 yards there, but uh, big old Will went 17. But no, trick plays are just awesome. And uh, it was tweeted out on uh, by ESPN College Football, you know, a list of just memorable trick plays. Now, there were some non-memorable trick plays. Remember the oops moment in the Alex Henry and Dominican Sioux Colorado game where they tried the fake little flip over the head that LSU used to run? Colorado was on it and picked the ball off and ran it to the end zone. They tried a fake field goal. At one point, Nebraska did. You know, where the field goal holder gets the snap and then just blindly throws an alley-oop. Right. A little hook shot action. A little hook shot action that that went nowhere. But as awesome as the the fumble ruski is on April Fool's Day, can you ever forget Boise State and their back-to-backs, starting with the hook and ladder? This is really pretty awesome Uh, in the Fiesta Bowl against Big Game Bob. Down the middle, James. No, that you know, Nebraska would have been playing in that game had they not lost to Oklahoma. That's right in the Big Twelve championship game. Oh man! And you know, Chris Peterson uh, to put that exclamation point on just how smart an offensive coach he is—the old Statue of Liberty that we all ran in flag football. Well, this was for the win. Boise State for the win. They hand it off to Johnson. Boise State has won the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. No, not at the time, no. We got Adrian Peterson on the sideline 
<laughs> Oklahoma was up 21 in that game, and Boise came back, and super memorable. But, you know, I don't know, man. A lot of the, the, the trick plays are great. Uh, the, the, the fake snap that was great to the uh, – or the, the snap directly to the running back. The old play, this is years ago, where in junior high ball, your quarterback had wonder over to the sideline like he's in motion and saying, Coach, I, I think I'm going to get sick, and then they'd snap it to the up back. And voila, you'd, you'd get a touchdown. Classic. That was the hope. Classic. But uh, trick plays, man, on April Fools, uh, there's a ton of them. If they work, they are forever immortalized. But spring, uh, spring football thoughts on the way. We'll get into some opening day thoughts with Major League Baseball. And, yes, NFL draft. Just who would Russ Landy take? Russ Landy, decades in the NFL as a scout uh, with Cleveland and with the Rams. Also part of the scouting and the CFL. We'll talk NFL draft with Russ, more Major League Baseball, and some Husker football. Gary Barnett coming up. Great to be with you on a Thursday at Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Still some kinks being worked out with Major League Baseball. Cody Bellinger just crushes one out to left field. Justin Turner was on base, but he thought it was caught, so he went back to first. Bellinger passed Turner on the base paths, was ruled out. So a two-run shot counts for one run instead. And base running. Wow. Uh, let's talk some NFL draft. Longtime NFL draft scout and uh, part of the CFL. We say hi to Russ Landy with us back again on Hale Varsity Radio. Russ, thanks for spending a few minutes today. How you doing? Mine is doing fantastic. How about yourself? We're all right, man. We're smiling a little bit. Uh, went through some trick plays uh, that are pretty memorable uh, to, to tip our cap to April Fools. And, of course, baseball is back, but NFL on our mind. And want to get into it with you a little bit here. And, and I want to start off with just your impression. You've seen some of the who's who of quarterbacks over the years in the draft. And what do you think of kind of the upper echelon of this 2021 draft class at quarterback with Lawrence, of course, and, and Zach Wilson and, and you know, Fields uh, really wowed a lot of folks earlier this week in Columbus? You know, I think it's a, it's a good class. I don't think it really compares to some of the elite classes we've had in the past. I think when I look at a guy like Trevor Lawrence, he grades out as a, as a very good prospect, similar to Tua last year, similar to Justin Herbert last year and Joe Burrow. Um, but I don't view him on the same level as Andrew Luck when he came out of school. So he's a very good prospect. I think with the rest of the quarterbacks, whether it's Wilson or Mac Jones or Justin Fields, I think – you have guys that there are a lot of positive traits, but I don't think any of them are in that elite rare category um, that you would normally say, okay, now we have four guys that we're looking at as superstar guys. I think you have really three really good players that have a chance, but there are definitely holes in each of their games that are a little concerning. So to me, it's not a great quarterback class. It's a good, solid one. Uh, give me a little update here. What What are some of the holes – in you, you see in Lawrence and, and Wilson and and also Fields. I mean, what what if, if you don't mind kind of nitpicking yeah, of a little bit? I mean, what what are some of the holes? Lawrence, I'd say, has the fewest holes. I just when I watch him, I see there are times he's a little bit robotic. 
Um, not a lot, but every once in a while, the pocket, he looks a little bit robotic. Um, I think he's a very good prospect. I think he's going to be a high-end starter, like a guy like Justin Herbert. Uh, to me, uh, when I look at, at Zach Wilson, I see a lot of great things, but I also see a lot of times he's throwing on the move, and while he makes some wonderful throws, he also misses throws. He, he's a little bit less accurate at times than you'd like him to be. Um, and there's a little bit of a sort of everybody likes to instantly say he's Pat Mahomes, and I always like to say, well, let's take a deep breath. There have been a lot of guys over the last 10 years that were really athletic quarterbacks that threw on the move. One has turned out to be Pat Mahomes. A lot of the other ones have either become good quality starters or have struggled to become starters. So just because you're athletic and you can throw the ball well doesn't mean you're going to be Pat Mahomes. So I like a lot of things about him, but a little bit inconsistent technique-wise, a little bit inconsistent accuracy-wise. And field to me, is just a little frustrating because I think when he's relying on his instincts and awareness and, and he's comfortable, he can throw a beautiful ball. But there are times when I see him sitting in the pocket and it almost a little bit like Baker Mayfield. When he's, the longer he's in there, he just isn't as comfortable. And that's one of my concerns with field. It's not that I don't think he has the physical talent, but I see some similarity to Baker in that when it's not a quick play where he can sort of make that quick read and rely on the sort of uh, his sort of pre-planning mm. from all the work he does and, and it's just natural instincts, the longer he has to sit in the pocket, I think he just becomes a little less comfortable and a little less consistent with his throwing, just like Baker Mayfield. Russ Landy is with us, Sale Varsity Radio, uh, NFL Draft Insider, also with the CFL. And that's that's really it, isn't it? Uh, a lot of instances you see college offenses, while there are more wrinkles and the NFL has more more of a college feel to it uh, with, with quarterback mobility. Uh, you know, you look at Mahomes and what he's done in Kansas City with Reed and the, the air raid aspect is, is where I'll go. Ultimately, though, you still got to be able to get your progressions and you can't just go read one and fire, right? I mean, that's, that's the trick, isn't it, to, to get a guy that can make plays throwing the football but be patient and better in the pocket? Well, really what it comes down to, and it's something that I think everybody, including myself, who's been doing this for 20-some-odd years, mm-hmm. you have to obviously adapt and learn and become better at your trade. But when I talk to quarterback coaches around the league, in the NFL, in college, they all point to the same thing, which is even if he's a great athlete and he can make plays with his feet, if he can't function at a high level within the pocket and at least be a good passer – your chances of success at the NFL level are not good because no matter how good you are running around, unless you're going to say we're going to run the Baltimore Ravens offense and we're just going to run 45 times, you are going to have to throw the ball on traditional sets. Not Now, I'm not saying your drops are going to be traditional and the route tree is going to be normal, but you are going to have to drop back, make reads, and get rid of the ball accurately and quickly. So unless a quarterback can do that, it doesn't matter how athletic he is. Don't get me wrong. We all want a quarterback who can jump out of the pocket like Mahomes or mm-hmm. Russell Wilson or Josh Allen and can change plays when they go sideways. But you still have to be able to function at a minimal level as a passer to be able to be a successful quarterback in the NFL. It's not just about athletes. Are you on the fence about Mac Jones because of who was surrounding him, or is it more of just some of the mechanical slash transitional question marks you may have about him? You know, I, I like Mac a lot. I, I mean, I have not finished my film on him. He's one of the guys that I still have to do some more work on. 
I like a lot of things he does. I think my concern is not so much that he's not a guy who can be a starting quarterback. I just don't think, just like I don't think with Fields and with Wilson, we're talking about a guy that really is in that sort of top five pick, sort of a guy that I feel very comfortable saying this guy is going to be a guy to lead my team and be a high-end starter. I see a lot of positives. He's a really bright kid. When you watch him sit in the pocket, he seems comfortable. He's got a good arm. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more consistency at times when he throws the ball. But overall, I mean, there's a lot to like about him, just like there is with Wilson and Fields. I just don't think they're at that level of that elite rare guy that you prefer to take at number two or three in the draft. Talk to me a little bit here, Russ, uh, when it comes to, to looking to quarterbacks. And you, you've got San Francisco trading up now to, to number three to get one of these quarterbacks. Uh, you had uh, Rosen get drafted 10th overall, and then Arizona moved on very quickly in, in just a year and went and got Kyler Murray, and, and he's been really nice. Uh, there, there's less, uh, I guess, remorse right now in the league to, to hang on with some of these high high draft pick quarterbacks and even the question mark of Tua with Miami, whether they were going to stick with him or not. I mean, there was some talk about Tua maybe uh, that, that experiment being done. What's your, what's your reaction to kind of this newer trend in the NFL with guy in Darnold too, with the Jets, right? So wasn't that long ago he was drafted very high. What's your take on NFL and front offices and coaches moving on from, from high quarterback draft picks this early? Well, you know, I think in the case of a Darnold, um, he has gotten put out there. He's gotten a lot of starts. So it's not like you're saying, hey, we've seen five starts and we're ready to move on. Um, to me, Arizona, that, if I'm an organization that, or an outsider looking at that organization, that's embarrassing. You hire a head coach and you take a quarterback at 10 overall, and within a year both of them are out of there, and the head coach you replaced him with and the quarterback you replaced him with, although Murray has played well, we still haven't seen the playoffs yet. Mm. So to me, that's sort of an embarrassment as to everything that's gone on there. Now, hopefully they get it right this year because a lot of good, hardworking people there at Arizona. But um, I think a lot of it is that with these contracts today, you're not putting in like you were 15, 20 years ago. You're not putting in the Matt Stafford or Sam Bradford's 40 and $50 million bonus so you're crippled in terms of on your roster if you get rid of them. And I think teams are much more willing nowadays to say, you know what, we feel comfortable, we missed on this guy, and we're willing to take the hit because it doesn't cripple us on the salary cap. Um, I think there's good in that, in that you're admitting your mistake and moving on. But at the same time, I also think it's bad in that it, it, it almost sort of gives you a, a, a second swing when you screw up your – when you do a poor job of scouting, it's really easy to get off the hook now and try to go get the next guy because you're not, you're not tied into – Twenty million on your salary cap, Russ, unless uh, you sign him to that second contract, like Wentz. Yeah, no, absolutely. Didn't mean to step on you there. San Francisco does what at number three, in your opinion? You know, I don't believe it's a quarterback. Um, you know, which one is hard to tell because when you look at a lot of these guys, all of them are athletic kids, and if mm-hmm. you look at Coach Shanahan's history, he wants athletic guys who can roll out, and make throws on the move. I mean. Whether people are all talking about Mac Jones, but, I mean, Justin Fields and even a Trey Lance have to be in that discussion because they will fit athletically what he wants. Now, all the other categories of where they fit in his offense, that's all, obviously he's the only one that's going to know that. But I think there's no doubt they don't trade up to that spot. There's only two ways they trade up. is They feel 100% confident they know who's going one and two, so they know who they can get at three. 
four, they have three players, most likely quarterbacks, all graded equal. Mm. And they're content to take whichever one of the three falls to them at three. So those are the only two options for why they would trade up. So I'm sure Coach Shanahan has already decided who he's picking and what they're doing. And my guess would be if Mac Jones or Fields is there, it's going to be one of those two. Russ, a couple minutes here, uh, a couple of Nebraska names. Uh, I'd like your quick reaction to Brandon Hymas. You know, what's what's an early projection for him? DiCaprio Boodles, a guy that maybe uh, at least will get a little bit more notice running the 4 3 8 with the pro day. And then Matt Farniok's versatility, uh, Jack Stoll and Diedrich Mills are some also, also some Nebraska guys that, that could be free agent guys. But anybody from Nebraska on your, on your radar here for this 2021 draft? Oh, there's no question. I think, I mean, look at Brendan James. You're talking basically a four-year start. Yeah. I mean, three years at left tackle, first-year right tackle. Um, yeah, I mean, he's going to get drafted. And I think all players that were longtime starters like him, like Farnook, Farnook, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing correctly, Far- they all have a yeah. huge advantage because the bottom of the draft is not particularly good. Mm-hmm. Round six and seven is pretty much going to be what normally would be undrafted guys. So guys like James, Farnook, they're going to move higher up on the board. Um, I don't, I'm not saying Brendan is a day two pick, but he's going to have a chance of being in that third, fourth round because he's a four year starter, big kid, athletic, six, five, almost 300 pounds. Um, I, I, I would lean towards the fourth round, but I think he's got a chance to slip higher. Uh, the far new kid, he's going to get picked. Uh, you mentioned the bull kid. It wasn't just the 40. He's talking about 36 and a half inch vert, 10, six broad jump, really good three cone, six, seven, two. Three-year starter at corner, five foot ten. I mean, you don't find corners that are that athletic. He's going to get drafted. Mm. Um, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't, just because in a draft like this, where teams are really scouring for guys to fill in the last two rounds, a corner with that athleticism. And then Jack Stoll to me is an interesting kid because I think before the 2020 season, you would have said this is an intriguing kid. He's decent height, almost six four, 250 pounds, runs pretty well. He hasn't been super-duper productive, but he caught 25 balls in 19. I think the arrow was pointing up, but he's been dealing with battle through this whole year of injuries, really had the one first game with the start, and has been battling ever since. But he worked out well. He ran a 4.65, 247 pounds. I think he's the guy that late in the draft, someone may throw a dart on. Normally, he would probably be an undrafted guy. This year, I could see him slipping into the last few rounds because, like I said, the bottom two rounds of the draft, there's not a lot of talent there. Russ, we'll do this again closer to the draft. Thanks so much for a few minutes today. You got it, Chris. Thanks, as always, for having me on the show. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Okay, I think we're, we're back on track, but we went a little long with Russ Landy, NFL insider, draft expert, part of the CFL, and uh, we'll get that up on SoundCloud for you. It's some great insight on not only the quarterback class, he likes him, but there's no Andrew Luck. That's kind of your, your bar, right? Are you Elway? Are you Luck? And um, But Russ was pretty adamant about just the opportunity that's there and some of the wow factor with the Nebraska kids. And he really liked what Stoll has done. And DiCaprio Boodle is a guy, and DiCap 
you know, Russ touched on it, just the multi-years he was at Nebraska, the adversity that DeCap man, went through just with the, with the transition and even being a, a satellite camp kid, busting his ass to get noticed from a satellite camp. And Decap's one of those guys that, I mean, he ran the, the 4.38, and you're like, sweet. And he's got good size, Will. But the thing about DiCaprio Boodle is I think he's physical. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw him play and really pop. You go back to, all right, who are you going against? Well, I thought Decap really held his own. I mean, there was a play down by the goal line where one of the, one of the Huskers got kind of hosed with some pass interference. I think it was right after the Cam Taylor-Britt end zone. Uh, pass interference call early in that Ohio State game. And you could just like see DiCaprio Boodle unload on one of the, the ball carriers <laughs> trying to get into the end zone. Just stuck him. DeCap's physical. I mean, yeah. very physical. And he's got that, uh, that, that grinder mentality. And Hymas, he says Hymas third to fourth round. Hymas pretty versatile. And you're going to have uh, you have a guy like Farniak. And yeah. Russ had a little trouble with Farniak's name. It's okay. <laughs> But he says, you know, Farniak's the guy who get drafted. So potentially three Huskers getting drafted were, you know, back in my era to date myself. I mean, it, it was not co- uncommon to have six to eight to, to nine Nebraska guys drafted and then a slew of, you know, undrafted free agents sure. that would that would make the squad. Mm-hmm. It's been guys that have been fringe picks, but you have to go back to the 15 draft where, think about it, where you had Amir go first out of that crew, 2014 season, 2015 draft, where Amir goes pretty high up in the second round to Detroit. And then you have Vincent Valentine go in the third round to New England. And Vincent spent about three and a half, four years in the NFL. And then Randy Gregory go, I think, late second round, if I'm not mistaken. So Amir went before... Both those guys, and you know, yeah, Nate Gary, that that was a guy that was a fifth round pick, and you, you also have, uh, you know, Josh Kalu. Yeah, he just signed a free agent deal with the with the Giants, but he's been in the league. Kalu is a late round guy that Tennessee right. Tennessee loved because of his athleticism. So now, if you get some dudes, uh, really didn't mu- spend much time on on Diedrich Mills, but Boodle, Hymas, and Farniak, and then Stoll. I mean, Stoll. Man, that's the way he got hit low in that Ohio State game that jacked his knee, and for him to battle back like he did, and to run a you know a, what what do you say four six type forty with that mullet dragging him down mm-hmm. was pretty big. So that's pretty awesome. It makes you faster, actually. R- okay, right? Yeah. It helps you on the court. I think. Okay, I it's think. an intimidation I like to thing. Think. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, there's Will for three. Bang. Yep. Uh, you have uh, Gary Barnett going to join us. We'll talk some spring football, some college football with Coach Barnett. Brandon Vogel to hit on the Huskers and Danny Burke from Wrigley or around Wrigleyville uh, to give us best bets here, some baseball future picks and uh, the uh, sweet, I should say, Final Four look with some of the numbers. So with Major League Baseball opening day, yes or no, have you ever been able to get down to a true opening day? I never have. I have not either. You haven't? No, and it's 50 degrees at Kaufman, and it's snowing in Detroit. It's sunny and wonderful in L.A., <laughs> right? And it's uh, you're going to have better weather, weather this weekend here in the eastern part of the state, which is awesome. But, all right, give me your top three. Top three stadiums you've been to, three you want to get to, and I'm going to go 
Captain Obvious, but the the time of my life that they made it special was was getting that first trip to Wrigley. It was 1990. Dad got us seats in the bleachers, and then Dad caught a home run ball from Andre Dawson. No way. He did. He caught it. He got it, and he was immediately, like, attacked. Like, everyone's going for the ball in the left field. Dawson smokes one. My dad was able to get it. My dad was probably generously at 235, about my height. Okay. So he, he had a base to him, and he caught the home run ball. And he got smoked by about six other just vultures going for it. It's like you're playing a game of 500 in the backyard and someone takes you out right as you're about ready to get up there. Sure. So he, he was able to track it. Let's just be honest. It came right to him. Yeah. <laughs> well. And, 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 he, and he got the home run ball. But that was, that was awesome. So Wrigley's one for me. As much as Kaufman was a part of my childhood and you know, Royal Stadium making the trip down, I'm going to put that third Nostalgia and and like ambiance, Wrigley's old and, and and historic. I would go every year. We went to the new Twins Park, which was really yeah. cool. And every year we try and hit a new ballpark. Well, we'll try that again this year. But I'd go back in a heartbeat. And this was pre gummies to um to Coors Field. Oh yeah, it is awesome. It is flat out awesome, and I'm not a, I'm not a huge Rockies guy, but when yeah. you got the mounds in the backdrop and you got the oh. little <laughs> the wooded area <clears throat> and and uh, pond and center field there, it's sweet. It's beautiful. It, it is. I got that number three on my bin. Okay. Okay. Number two, I got Coffin. Sure. And number one, I actually got to tour uh, Oracle Park in San Francisco. I How was that? I wasn't at a game, but I toured it. No, it was beautiful, Chris. It was it was awesome. Beautiful park, right on the bay. Beautiful day. Oh, it was awesome. Oh, it'd be it'd be really cool to to, to see a Giants game. Oh, and to see a splash hit too. How about right? That? Yeah, yeah. Kayakers just <laughs> waiting out in right field for a Bonds bomb back in the day. And oh yeah, I think San Diego would be sweet. I'd sure. love to to check out. You know, because Camden Yards really kicked things off with this new modern ballpark. And Camden Yards is damn near 30 years old now. That's number one I might want to go see. Okay. Just because of the, the, the warehouses. The history. And, sure. Yeah. And and I've not been to, to I didn't get to, to old New York, uh, you know, the house that Ruth built. Sure. Yankee Stadium. And I haven't been to the, to the new Yankee Stadium. But I will get there just because Junior is such a Yankees fan. <laughs> but my mom and my brother have been to Fenway and they've been to, to, they've been to, to New York. So... I'm a Red Sox guy, and this goes back to, to Bill Buckner, and this goes back to Mike Greenwell and oh, you know Clements, and, and I like uh, Schilling and, and Pedro and, and that Red Sox squad, the, you know, the Cowboy Up crew that, that finally got a ring. I'd love to go see the Red Sox. I think it'd be fantastic. I've never been to, to Fenway. I've really never really been to the East Coast. So that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, Boston, New York – and probably San Diego or San Fran would be cool. I think Chavez would be to be sweet to see the Dodgers, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. Get, get a Dodger dog. I want to see a, a Cubs game on a rooftop. That's what I want to do. Well, homeboy Danny Burke is doing that this weekend. And he said it only ran him like 100 bucks. Huh. That's that's cheaper than going. Yeah. All the beer and brats you can crush. We'll wind down Hour 1. Hail Varsity continues. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio.
All right, uh, commitment news. Vic Jones Jr. Olympia High School, Florida. And uh, good for Vic. He's a a three-star wideout. And uh, you have this being tweeted out here by Coach Lubick. Coach Becton, Coach Lubick, Frost Company. So how about old Victor Jones? We'll call him Mr. Jones. I like that. Give me more wideouts, man, for Nebraska football. And uh, he looks like Will Wilson here, (laughs) raising that right fist, going into the end zone. Yeah, I got some offers from Cincinnati, Kentucky, Arkansas. So... Hey, all good. So, six two. Yeah, right. That kind of falls in line with where Nebraska is going and what Coach Lubick was talking about: getting better and bigger wide receivers, and give me guys that can make adjustments to the ball and are a little easier to see. Nothing wrong with the little guys. Uh, Rondale Moore is a projected second round pick, you know, out of Purdue. But you know, I look at. One team that has done well in the Big Ten's Northwestern. And Northwestern's living off of two or three-star recruits that are really smart kids and they, they get developed. But what Northwestern Dudge does is their, their route combinations are just deadly. How can some guy, I think a Ebert, remember that guy? Ebert. Ebert was their little slot dude, kind of a Wes Welker guy. And, okay. You know, You've seen a lot of things on social media here the last couple of days about losses to 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 different programs or like worst upsets for a program or a t- or a highly ranked squad. Well, this was on Twitter and just the, the shocking upsets when when Pete Carroll got upset by Jim Harbaugh. They were a forty-two point favorite, like in 07, uh, 06 or '07, and that that was USC's like most head scratching lost to a non-ranked team. Well, Nebraska's happened their first year in the Big Ten, where they just got done smoking Michigan State and just demolish them, absolutely crush a really good Spartan team that ended up playing for the Big Ten title. And the the, the following week, here, here's little old three and five Northwestern that, that rolls in, and they, they beat Nebraska 28-25, and they, they had Ebert, this little dude in the slot, that just outran the entire Nebraska defense for the go-ahead final death nail type touchdown Mm -hmm. in a traditional back-and-forth Nebraska-Northwestern game. But he was one of the little guys. But back to the Northwestern, what they do is they just do a a superb job of getting guys open and run those damn natural pick plays with crossing routes. Well, you hear Nebraska and Coach Lubick talk a lot about crossing routes. Uh, You've got Toure that's going to be in the slot. They like the idea of running him across the field because of his size. Well, you get a recruit here uh, with Victor Jones Jr., and it's 6'2". Not that he's, I'm saying, in the slot, but I'm just saying you have more body types like that because uh, Nebraska fans, if things go well and the offense steps up and you get the ability to play cleaner football, you've got the athletes. (laughs) You've got 6'2", 6'3", guys, and, and Manning and Toure in the slot. And Xavier Betts at 6'2". That's a big group of receivers. And whenever Victor Jones gets to Lincoln, we'll try and run him down tomorrow and kind of get his story on the commitment. But a guy on Nebraska's radar, they pull the trigger and 
he pulls the trigger and, and finds his way to Lincoln. Some more college football thoughts. Gary Barnett on the way. Brandon Vogel coming up hour two with Hale Varsity. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We say hi to the former head football coach, Colorado and Northwestern Hall of Famer. And it's been a while. It's great to talk to Gary Barnett again. Coach, how are we doing? Doing okay, Chris. Just down here in Arizona. Weather, playing some golf as much as I can. And, uh, you know, watch the basketball games. Uh, spring ball just started. So I'm watching uh, the video of that at uh, CU practices. And, Staying busy. I bet. And spring football got underway here in, in Lincoln as well. well. We'll get there in a little bit. But it is April Fool's Day. And I want to get your take on, I guess, the best trick play you've ever seen or pulled off. <laughs> um, well, that's a good question because that was one of my deals. I had a million of those things. Did you? Some worked, some backfired. I had one backfire in the Big 12 championship game in uh, Texas. We had a we had a 14-point uh, lead, and my son was working for the Patriots at the time, and um, John Harbaugh was a special teams coach, so he oh. got to he got to help Harbaugh. So he, he found this play that was just absolutely great. So he sent it to me. And uh, I put it in just prior to the to the Big 12 championship game, and we're up 14 points. It's it's either I think it's the um, yeah, it's the fourth quarter, and it's fourth and about seven. So I should punt it, but I thought nobody in this stadium thinks I'm going to fake this punt. <laughs> and if I do, the game is over. Game set match. Well, Mark Mariscal was a great punter and a great kickoff guy and all that sort of stuff. But anytime you put the situation, the execution in the hands of a punter uh, who, who uh, <laughs> is sort of single focused, and that's just what happened. He threw a pass. It was a pass, and it was wide open, and he threw it to Texas. Oh, man. So Texas then comes back. You know, and, uh, you know, Major White, Major Appleside, Applewhite comes in, throws two touchdowns, and now all of a sudden we have to drive to win the game at the end. So when I know when I call for it over the headset, my coaches went, what? Anyone <laughs> talk you out of it or try and talk you out of it? Oh, yeah. yeah well, they, they, it was too late. And so, uh, I mean, I could have called timeout. And, you know, I, my son was at the game watching, and when he saw it happen, he almost jumped out of the press box. No, no. <laughs> so, anyway, that was the one that didn't work. The one that did work was probably a really good one we pulled off at uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State mm-hmm. against Bob Simmons, a good friend of mine. It was a throwback screen to the quarterback. And, but we had them all. I, I, I tried all of it. So I, I, the one I, I really liked though was when we would the punter would step back and uh, act like 
safety's going to punt and then throw the ball. Mm. So what happens is they would the destroyers on the outside would bump and run the the, the uh, guys coming out on the outside. So you have to tell the official that it's going to be passing interference because he's going to be bumping while that passes in the air. And uh, we had it happen, and it uh, uh, you know they called passing interference and. We got a, uh, we got a. It was a, ended up being a fake punt and got the ball back and scored. So, well, if you if you have a, a a kicker that's not great, I would just fake every fourth down and hopefully uh, a couple of handful of times get a pass interference call. <laughs> maybe work, yeah, maybe yeah, work it out. Know. And then one one I took and had the punter uh, act like he kicked it mm-hmm. and actually throw it. And so the punt returner and he had a great arm, so I threw it really high. Hunter called for a fair catch, and our guy just went down and jumped in front of him and caught the ball. So he didn't know it was a pass. He thought it was a kick. So, yeah, you know, we tried them all. Those are pretty good. We uh, we, we think of the fumble ruski in, in Lincoln here, uh, right. the bouncer ruski that, that uh, Irving Fryer pulled off, and then I think the bummer ruski was where I think Bobby Bowden pulled that off against Clemson a while back where it's – Kind of a quick up snap to to the to one of the the up men, your fullback in the punt formation that that, that worked well, and I think of the Boise State hook and ladder and, and Statue of Liberty. So, yeah, on April Fools, it's fun to talk some some trick plays. Gary Barnett's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, Coach. When it comes to, to spring ball, I've taken a, a couple things with me here early in, in sessions with uh, some of the Nebraska assistants, and it's nice to see the coaches again. But one thing that uh, Nebraska's O-line coach Greg Austin talked about was, uh, you know, finishing blocks, holding on to blocks. And one adjustment that's been made with Nebraska's practice, and instead of focusing so much on tempo, it's, okay, let's, let's let our offensive linemen hold on to blocks. It feels like there's been some, some adjustments made by Nebraska and Coach Frost going into year four, not only with what they're doing at practice, but also – just some of the, the the verbiage, and I know it's just words. You need to see actions, but Nebraska is really talking for the first time in the Frost era about fundamentals. They're also talking about accountability and attention to detail, and uh, I guess better late than never on some of those things. But just a, a bit of a different feel here. And talk to me a little bit here about just some of the some of the trial and error that goes on as as a coach, where you can make adjustments. And specifically with with corrections, right? What what did you do? Did you run it again if if the play wasn't practiced to your liking, or did you correct after the fact? No, it was always running again uh, for me, especially in the spring. Yeah. And you know, we never worried about tempo in the spring. We we did some experimentation with position changes. We uh, did some experimentation with with formations and. Uh, but for me, it was always fundamentals in the spring. And the, the only time I strayed away from that was if we were going to play a, a, a wishbone team mm-hmm. uh, in the opening game, for example, then we'd, we'd try to get a week or three or four practices against the wishbone, but real fundamentally uh, in the spring so we could get it on tape and then uh, use it, evaluate it over the course of the summer and into the fall. But it was always about fundamentals. And, um, you know, it, for me, 
spring ball was always about the guys who were trying to be starters, uh, trying to be backups, uh, and um, a little bit about guys who, who were already good that wanted to get a little bit better. But it was more about developing everything else because you always need depth and you need fundamental depth. And so uh, for me, that was sort of my approach to spring. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, can you reverse the turnover trend? I know that's talked about wonderful, but Adrian's really talented. Adrian's also played hurt, but Adrian's had a lot of turnovers, and that's something I know he is very cognizant of. Are you are what are, are you kind of are what you are at this point in your career with the the turnover bug, or is that something that, that truly you can make a jump at and still you know play free and fast uh, as a, as a multi year starter at quarterback? Well, I think it's a combination. I think you are. I mean, he takes some chances, and you don't want to spoil that because as many mistakes as he makes taking those chances, he makes big plays taking those chances. So. You know, it's one of those things where it's like the, the light bulb's got to go on for him, where he reviews the stuff that he does with help, uh, I mean, coaching, but and says, you know, I really don't need to take this chance, or I really don't need to try to do that. There's a better alternative. And when he discovers it, not when he's told what it is, uh, but when he discovers that... Um, that, that's something he doesn't have to do or there's something he can do to prevent the turnovers. That's, that's when the light bulb goes off and mm. it's a really valuable experience. Um, and you have to show him. You have to show him what the consequences are. He's got to be aware of those consequences and he's got to choose at that point in time whether or not he's willing to, to take a chance on suffering those consequences. And, you know, that's all really between Adrian and quarterback coach and uh, as they go through the spring, but um, I, I think you can mature a little bit out of them. Mm-hmm. But it's only because um, you you look at it differently. You you make it a conscious decision. You're not going to take that chance in this situation. So, um, and, and you, you break down all your turnovers to see exactly why. You know, if you can see why it's happening, is it happening in the run game? It's happening more when he flushes. Uh, is it happening more when he's not sure? Is it hap- you know, what is it that he's trying to do that ends up in those mistakes? And it's it's not that difficult to avoid those situations or even work on improving them. But sometimes it just takes avoiding uh, taking taking the risk at that point in time. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, talking spring ball. Coach, it's been a couple of weeks, but what was your reaction or did you pay much attention to the the the, the national thoughts and the narrative of Nebraska and Oklahoma? And, and we call it, you know, Soonergate, where there was about six hours on a Friday where it sounded like Nebraska was trying to get out of the, the Oklahoma game this weekend or this, this season. You know, I, I watched, I, I, I heard about it, read a little bit about it, um, but, uh, I, you know, it didn't resonate real large with me. I, you know, I, I figured it would work itself out, mm-hmm. um, but the de- I don't know what the details were of it, but, you know, I think it's a game that there's a lot of people in the Midwest would really like to see played. Oh, yeah. 
and um, you know, me being one of them. <laughs> oh, sure. Well, we're, we've already got our RV spot picked out, man. We're going. <laughs> we're going to go drink all of Switzer's wine, too. So, I mean, <laughs> but uh, Gary Barnett's with his coach. Uh, a thought here, Mike Gundy was talking to the Oklahoman, and, and he brought up the idea of, of you know, Okie State maybe taking on an Arkansas or a Nebraska. Did you ever, could you, or, or did you ever think about, like, uh, scrimmaging another team during spring and not just your own kids but maybe a Colorado versus a New Mexico state or Montana state or I you know I'd love to see Oklahoma state and Nebraska I think Nebraska needs to worry about Nebraska this spring but I think in some future springs maybe it's a great idea was that ever explored well, I think the only advantage to exploring that is you have half the chance of getting get somebody hurt because you're only putting your players out there for on half of the field. Right. So um, I, I didn't really want to do it. Um, I want. I really sort of like the fact that our defense always knew what our offense was going to do, gotcha. and so that made it harder. So they had to force it sometimes, and they had to really work against. Um, you know, somebody who knew what, where the play was going, and so they had to block it a little better. I think it works the other way for me. I like that better. Um, and the same thing uh, defensively. Defensively, uh, they know the offense knows what they're going to do, and so they now have to learn to break a little faster. They have to, you know, shore up any weaknesses that they have. They expose the weaknesses that they have because they know so much about each other the each side of it so I was always more in favor of working against ourselves and you know making a road trip or doing something like that it's only 15 days to me it wasn't worth trying to create a game for Gary Barnett with his coach will wrap up here shortly uh, if Gary Barnett's uh, an NFL GM what quarterback are you taking here you've seen most of these guys do their pro days and I know Fields was pretty impressive uh i know zach wilson looked great and then trevor lawrence is trevor lawrence who, who do you like best uh out of this uh this draft coming up uh, i'll tell you it's i think it's really those three kids zach wilson trevor lawrence and justin fields are just about as good as you're ever going to see in a batch of quarterbacks mm-hmm. i don't know how you choose between the three i know san francisco has made all these trades to get Justin Fields, and I don't blame them. I think I think you go out, you do whatever you got to do to get any one of those three. If you if I said I had to pick one, you know, the Wilson kid to me it just looks like Steve Young, okay. and he, he looks like a guy that's played in the going to play in the league for for fifteen years. Um, I like the length. Of Trevor Lawrence, mm-hmm. so I don't think you can go wrong with any one of those three guys. Coach, last thought here, and I know you coached with him for a long time, Les Miles. Did you know what's your what's your takeaway with with what went down at Kansas? Well, you know it's it's a it's a tough situation. Uh, you know, I, I think Kansas jumped the gun when they hired him. I think that it was a lot of the criticism that Jeff Long's gotten for hiring a friend. Mm-hmm. And not vetting it is is accurate, and um, 
you know, I just think Kansas made another mistake, and that just seems to be their history as well. They were throwing a lot of interceptions over in Kansas. <laughs> did, you, uh, did you reach out to Les at all after the fact? Uh, I did not reach out to mm-hmm. Les. I, I had lunch with Les uh, this summer, so I, I did not. He, he – um, I did not do that. Coach, uh, best to you. Get the golf going, and uh, we'll uh, get caught up again maybe next week, get some Masters thoughts from you. But thanks for a few minutes today. All right, Chris. Good being with you. Got to love Coach Barnett. Good stuff on spring ball. Uh, thoughts on you know getting better at uh, the quarterback spot from turnovers. And Coach loves those quarterbacks this draft. Brandon Vogel coming up. Hail Varsity on a Thursday presented by the Nebraska Lottery. back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Hale Varsity Radio, Thursday, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Great story from Gary Barnett there when trick plays go wrong. It's kind of like the uh, the old when animals attack, right? Late night TV. <laughs> Don't ever ask your putter to throw a pass in a Big 12 title game against Texas is the moral of the story. We say hi to Brandon Vogel, Hale Varsity uh, Managing Editor.com and Magazine, author with John Cook. Dream like a champion. Vogues, have you been parked with a, a tall boy? I, I know you do work, but I'm saying since it's opening day and knowing that you and I both grew up on WGN, have you been just hunkered down with some peanuts and Cracker Jacks and a brat and a tall boy today? I, I haven't, actually. Now that you mentioned it, peanuts would have been a great idea. I, I love the whole entire process of, of cracking peanuts. Uh, I, I checked in on Blue Jays and Yankees. I was very excited to see that the Blue Jays had the, the powder blue uniforms on. Yes. But... Yeah, it's yeah. It's, with spring football starting later, it's unfortunately been too busy uh, to 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 fully enjoy opening day. That's it. I mean, I've kind of been torn. How much baseball time do I spend? And we got to hit spring ball. And <laughs> I never was gutsy enough. My brother could pull it off, but I never felt like I could take the dive into going north of the border for an MLB cap. Those Toronto hats always look sweet. <laughs> and then the Montreal pinwheel hat was really cool as well. But I never went, oh, Canada, with my MLB lids. Yeah, that, that I, 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 I own and previously owned. Thankfully, I got, I got rid of some of them, but probably not as many as I should have. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I was a hat guy in that, that Expos hat. Um, even though like conventionally it's, it's not that great looking, there was just something about it. You're like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing up in Canada, but this is cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. Joe Carter, money got to ride the bus with Tim Johnson with the salt dogs for two weeks, man. And he kind of revitalized, uh, Toronto after their, their back-to-back world series wins. So it was great to hear Toronto blue Jay stories with Roger Clemens and, I think they had Delgado on that roster and a lot of margaritas with Tim Johnson too was fun, but no, it was, it was good. And, uh, you know, to, to bring us back home to 
spring football, enough MLB, unfortunately. But I like Victor Jones Jr., man. This is a kid that Frost has been on since Central Florida. Uh, his Central Florida day, so we're, we're <laughs> long haul here. A six-two wideout, kind of, kind of out of the blue, uh, a little bit here. But man, uh, sign me up for more tall wideouts, folks. Yeah, definitely. Um, so he's got that size, and when you think about that, uh, to kind of hear about that, like that's really early for a prospect of his age for them to be like. It, so what was he in eighth, ninth grade, mm-hmm. maybe um, when they when they were at UCF, like and so I I like a lot of people was totally unprepared for this and just went and watched his huddle highlights within the last hour. And I was like, okay, all right, um, definitely seems to to have some speed, has that length. Like you know, he's not the the towering wide receiver. I think he's listed six two. Mm-hmm. But he makes up for it in speed. So, okay. Like, I, I, I'm kind of in on this. You're like, you know, Nebraska's, Nebraska's going to have a hard time kind of winning four- and five-star battles, particularly for wide receiver, because everybody's after those. Mm-hmm. So these guys that kind of come from off the radar intrigue me quite a bit. Very fair. And you look at Jones, we're talking – Bang for your buck, 18 per receptions out of Olympia High School. Uh, he's a 200-meter guy, so track athlete, 22-4, which is Vogel speed. <laughs> uh, and Maryland, Loxley doesn't screw around with, with skill position talent, right? So Maryland was in on him, West Virginia's in on him, Louisville's in on him, Wake's in on him, and then, of course, Central Florida, but... Yeah, you got to go back to 10th grade, uh, you know, when Nebraska's been in contact, and that's uh, another win for for Becton and Fisher, no doubt. And uh, I, I can't wait for, for Lubick to, to work with some of these kids. And, you know, what's your take here on, on the overall tone? Is it fair to say more grown up here? Again, just words, not action. But are, are you reading – a different, a different emphasis here this this spring. Um, I, I I don't know if it's struck me as so much different, but I think I think grown up is the right way to to put it. Um, so so good job by you on that. Um, it, it it just seems a little bit of like, hey, you know, we all we all know where where we've been. We all know where we want to go. So how is the approach from point A to point B? And, 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 and this spell, you know, the, the two availabilities we've had so far have felt a little bit more like, yeah, this is more measured. This is more, we feel sure, sure-er, I guess, for, to, to use a terrible word. No, it's um, all right. Of, 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 of where we're going to get to. Um, and you know, I like, I, I'm in the middle of like deep, deep hail varsity yearbook prep. I was going through kind of returning production today, looking at the big 10 West. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting for Nebraska because defensively they return production that says they should continue to progress on defense. 
offense is a little bit more of a gray area. Um, but I honestly, like, I honestly feel good about Nebraska's offense. Like, I'm not ready to to kind of anoint the wide receivers yet, but I like the talent there. And I feel I feel the same a little bit about running back. Like, they've got to come out and show it, which I think is the spot that a lot of Nebraska fans are in right now. But there's there's enough there. Like, there's enough there that makes me see, feel more optimistic, I guess, than pessimistic as it, as it pertains to the offense. Vogues, what, what do you deem this offense? You look at numbers, you look at success rate, and Greg Austin was the first to say, look, stats don't tell the full story because he, he didn't say underachieved yesterday, but that was kind of the tone. You look at what Nebraska has ranked, and Derek Peterson will talk to Dr. PD tomorrow, but Nebraska killed it when it comes to explosive runs from a percentage standpoint. It was incredible. But you're talking empty calories and no points and a a bad red zone number. So it's great to be optimistic, and I'm right there with you. They've got the dudes. They just got to get those guys positioned to, to go do it. And I think... I think they can, but I'm interested to your take here. If, if you were to label this offense, you know, what what do you attach to it? Just underachievement or just kind of on the verge or where do you sit with that? Kind of a weird question, but, you know, you're either optimistic or pessimistic right now and spring is, is about hope springing eternal, right, <laughs> to, to get you all fired yeah, up for, yeah. for the fall. So. You know where where are we gonna what are we gonna stamp here with this offense here moving in and we can be swayed one way or the other based on what we see with the spring game too. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's a really good question in my opinion because this offense. So so when Nebraska hired Frost from UCF, so we're all in NCAA tournament mode. So I'm going to use a a basketball metaphor here. Mm-hmm. Like at the point that this coaching staff came over. You're like, well, at UCF, they shot 38% from three. And thus we think they will shoot close to 38% from three at Nebraska. And I compare explosive plays to the three pointers in, in basketball. Um, they haven't done that. In fact, their, their best year with that was 2018. And it's gone down the, the past two years. So I enter this spring football session slash off season thinking they've got to get more of those big plays, but it's tough because it's sort of like saying, Hey, go out and shoot 38% from three, which great. Like every team in the world would want to do that, but it's hard to just make that happen. So, so some of this is like under, you know, trying to figure out how do we kind of, prime the pump for, for explosive plays, knowing that at some point, like the shots going, going to go in or it's not going to like, you don't have ultimate control over that. It goes into, it goes into a lot of things, but I think that's, that's really the key. Like if you told me Nebraska have a better than average explosive play rate in 2021 on offense, I'd be like, great. They're going to win eight games. 
I don't know if they can get there. Um, and we're, we're trying as collectively myself and as a staff to ask the coaches about this because it's, I think, in my opinion, such a glaring I don't know if I want to call it a weakness because they haven't they haven't been that weak. They've just been below what you would have thought coming from UCF. Um, how do you, how do you get those plays? Like how do those plays happen? And I think that's really the key to to twenty twenty one as a whole. Vogues, I got less than sixty seconds, but I think what we're seeing is you can get explosive plays in this offense. The difference is the defenses you're going against. They may allow you to. To crack yep. them, but you ain't you ain't getting a house call on it. That's a big difference. It it, it it is a big difference, and I think there is there's there's there is a difference between the AAC and the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, that being said, like even if those plays don't go to the end zone, like even getting the twenty yard gain. And, and the big thing for me as I look at this is they got almost none of them in the passing game. Right. Like they would get some in the run game, and most of those would be from the quarterback. You want more of those from the running backs, but they almost got none of them in the passing game. How does that change? That's really question number one for me as it pertains to Nebraska football in 2021. Beautiful. Vogues, we'll talk more Saturday with the weekend edition. Awesome to, to chat with you and get a little time for baseball today, all right? Sounds good. Thanks. There he is, Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HailVarCity.com and Magazine. Let's head to Wrigley or maybe a tavern near Wrigley. Danny Burke, Pride of Chicago, is on the way. And now... And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for the Pride of Chicago, Danny Burke, Burke's Best Bets. And you can find Danny on Twitter at DannyBurke5. You listen to him rush hour on the VEASAN Sports Network, 6 to 7. Danny, you got to sneak into Wrigley a little earlier today and walk around uh, Wrigleyville. How many old styles deep are you, my friend? <laughs> I had to keep myself contained today, but uh, after the show, I may uh, dive into a couple of them watching the late slate again. But no, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I live close enough to where I could take a nice leisurely stroll and got to check out the, the venue and just the, you know, it's obviously not the same as it is on a generic opening day, but still compared to last season, there's people all around and you could see and hear some people in the stand. So it was a good feeling to kind of have that back. You know, it, it is. And some of the, the fondest baseball memories I have, a lot of years going to Kaufman and checking out the Royals, taking Junior to, to a Rockies game, you know, with his buddies and his team, uh, a few years back for for youth baseball on a on a tournament weekend out in Colorado, but when uh, my uh, folks would take us to to Chicago a handful of times, it was it was incredible to to be out in the bleachers or right along third baseline. And I haven't been to Wrigley in a long time. I need to get back, but man, that's pretty awesome. You got to go check out uh, the, 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 the the that hollowed ground, you know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're right. It's just one of those things when you walk up the steps, you see the sunlight and have the smell of the hot dogs, peanuts, beer. It's very nostalgic and just doing it for the first time, remembering that, and then countless times after. It's one of the best feelings in the world. Daddy, let's talk uh, about some uh, MLB futures. Uh, what uh, what teams are on your radar for, for 2021? I know it feels great to actually have an opening day with with people in the seats. 
Yeah, so I talked about this on the show a little bit yesterday, naturally, as we're leading into opening day. I only had two futures bets because I think the market is going to be very open and more profitable as the season progresses. Because, you know, I mean, baseball is so long in itself that anything can happen over the course of this long season. So you get a better judgment, maybe a better price, and then a better feeling and can jump on it then. So I didn't do anything with season win totals, but I did play one division winner, and that was the Cardinals to win the NL Central. And, yes, I know my my kid self is beating the crap out of me. Yes, exactly. I mean, so the, the Cubs fan of me is just absolutely drilling me right now. But But, look, I mean – Based on the price I got, plus 160, they went down to about even money or plus 105 in a lot of places, so I really like the price I was able to get. And the Cardinals team is arguably still going to be top dog, and then they added Nolan Arenado. So that infield is just going to be filthy, and it's another elite hitter that's going to just benefit this squad that already has a pretty established starting pitching rotation. The bullpen is what keeps me a little bit leery, but I like the price with the Cardinals. I think they have a great shot to win the division. And then also uh, another bet that I placed with the Nationals to make the playoffs, and you can get the yes at plus 130. Now, you got to remember that the playoffs are expanded to 16 teams now, and the Nationals still have a solid squad. I mean, you got Scherzer there, Strasburg, Corbin, and then you add Lester. Now, I'm not high on Lester, naturally. I wasn't, you know, pissed that the Cubs got rid of him. He's over the hill at this point. But still, for that guy to be fourth in your rotation as a veteran lefty, not too shabby. And then they add Brad Hand in the bullpen, which will suffice and help them out a lot. You also bring in Schwarber, who is my favorite Cub. Josh Bell from the Pirates. You still got Ryan Zimmerman, Trey Turner, Juan Soto, who's arguably the best player in baseball besides Mike Trout. So you get good value at plus 130 to make the playoffs with the Nationals, and I really like that bet. I know the NL East is going to be tough, but the Nationals are still a stacked team that you could get some value on. What kind of value is out there for some props uh, where you can take the Yanks and the Dodgers versus the field? Any investigation into that? <laughs> I didn't get into those too much. I. You know, especially with baseball, I'm not necessarily a fan of that. If I were to do it, because I'm not sure what the price is, but I would look more toward the field. And I know that everybody's assuming that more so with the Dodgers, that they'll inevitably be in the World Series. But you got to remember a team in the same division as them being the Padres who could start some noise this season. And, I mean, who knows what the capability of this Mets team is going to be. The Braves are obviously still stacked. So I'm not as quick as everybody else to jump on the Dodgers here. I, it's not that they lost anybody significant. They only gained players. And Trevor Bauer being the big name, of course, and you're going to get David Price back. But, again, Schmidt, I mean, any injuries can happen over the long course of this season. And who knows if their offense hits a drought. We certainly see it happen to the Cubs every single year after they won the World Series. So I'm not necessarily riding the short shot in L.A. at this point. Danny Burks with us. Burks Best Bets, his show Rush Hour 6-7 to 7 on the VEASAN Sports Network, iHeart uh, Media as well around the country final four this weekend baylor houston minus five baylor ucla i love mick cronin man and he's got some kids gonzaga those favored by 14 how much have you drilled into the the final four this weekend yeah you may love mick cronin but my bank account absolutely hates him schmitty i live bet alabama and then and then live bet the last game too with michigan and obviously that did not fare out well for you uh, for your boy here. So uh, I'm not too big of a fan of UCLA. Although in this game, the 14-point spread, I'm not going to lay that with Gonzaga. Yes, they're the best team in the tournament at this point, but laying 14 this deep in the tournament, look, there's a reason the Bruins have made it this far, despite how good Gonzaga is. I don't want to lay that high of a number in such a volatile game and a game of runs, and especially when it can come down to any stupid play at the end. So this would be an in-game strategy if UCLA keeps it close, then take advantage of Gonzaga. 
Uh, the other game I would play, though, I would lay the five with Baylor. I, I think Houston's pretty fortunate for the most part to be in this spot. Not to say that I think they're lucky, but you know, I just think the, the end of the run is going to be this game, and Baylor's just too deep. They're too good from beyond the arc. Yes, the turnovers have been an issue to start games with Baylor, but if they can build the lead early, I think they should be able to cover that five spot. I'm a little surprised it hasn't moved to five and a half or six. Maybe it will closer to game time, but if you're looking to take Baylor, I think you take it now rather than later. Danny Burks with us. Burks Best Bets, the pride of Chicago, Hale Varsity Radio, and you can find Danny on Twitter at DannyBurke5. You know, Kelvin Sampson, a lot of emotion for, for Sampson to, to kind of get all the way back and, and get to the Final Four. But I agree with you. I think Baylor's just too tough. Uh, they are just exquisite beyond the arc, and they really take care of the ball. I know that, that they've not been that perfect this tournament, but, man, they've hit some big shots. I'd love to see UCLA push Gonzaga, but Gonzaga just drilled SC, and SC had some some high flyers, some NBA talent. Gonzaga is good as advertised. Uh, so, Daddy, uh, any, any names out there for the Carolina job now that Roy Williams stepped down? Has Vegas got in there yet on any favorites? You know they haven't, but I guess I'm I'm just reading someone tweeting about this, and this is kind of interesting. What are your thoughts? Someone said maybe I'm on an island here, but what about Jerry Stackhouse and what he could do at North Carolina? You get a lot of help and resources there. Do you think that could be a viable option? You know, Carolina is a lot like Nebraska, a lot like Indiana, and the the kind of you know tongue in cheek nickname the Carolina Mafia. They always go within the family somehow, some way. Uh, to, to make and, and take their, their next coach. Stack, I don't know if he's done enough at, at Vandy. Now, right. Vandy's Vandy, right? So I just think it might be a little early. Uh, you got the Greensboro coach that is part of the Carolina family, but I don't know if that's a big enough name. Roy's got an assistant that's been there 19 years. Does he want to be head coach? Uh, good old Uncle you know, Bill Guthridge got, got the place-in-waiting gig uh, many years back after Dean retired until Roy was ready. So we'll see, but uh, maybe Stack's the name. Uh, maybe there's this Jordan trend. Moser maybe even, too, if he's willing to leave Loyola. Oh, he'd absolutely leave Loyola for, for Carolina. I just mm-hmm. don't know that, that, the, heel, that uh, the heels go that route. Danny Burke with him, uh, with us. Catch him uh, on Rush Hour 6-7. to seven. Uh, on uh, Decent and, of course, uh, on iHeart. Daddy, uh, have a great uh, opening day. We'll uh, get caught up again next week. Yes, sir, absolutely. Will do. You too, Schmitty. We'll wind down to Thursday. It's Hale Varn City presented by the Nebraska Lottery. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now... Say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back to you, it's Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery Championship Monday. We are down at Longwell's 4 to 6 Roadshow with Hail Varsity. Your chance at Chris Stapleton tickets, Salt Dogs, Jet Splash gift cards, restaurant cards, and of course, your chance to win a four pack of seats to see the Royals this 20. 20- 21 season, eats, beer on tap, the Megatron, going to be a part of the party with us. Will, you're going to be down there with your mullet, correct? I will be there. Beautiful. I will be there. Yes, sir. Beautiful, beautiful. I, we are working on getting that uh, Home Innovation Spa hot tub 
I dream, someday down in the rail yard so I can relax and watch the Royals and then go in and get a beer from Longwell's. We say hi to Deb the Spa Lady. Deb, are you biting your fingernails? The, the Royals have surged ahead 10 to 8 now. Oh, my gosh. I, I was just thinking about that. When you said that, I was just working on here to see if I can watch it. Oh, blacked out. I see. <laughs> KFOR will take care of you. KFOR will take care of you with the game uh, on okay, the radio. I'll get, but, uh, I'll get over there listening. Yeah. Well, I'll say this, man. Royals were down 5 nothing. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it started out bleak, but now the uh, the uh, it's like Mahomes is running the offense or something. Uh huh. <laughs> so great! Oh, great! I'm just so glad to see that it opening day and everybody can get back to to baseball and maybe some normalcy. And we're just trying to get spas delivered to get get you know your backyard mm-hmm. normal and get you in a hot tub and relaxing. Well, and knowing the Royals fans, I mean, it's going to be a, a nip-and-tuck 162-game schedule, so you need a hot tub to relax. And, Deb, I know you you have those spring specials going. We do. We've got spas coming in all the time. Uh, I know that, you know, the, the lead times are long, and uh, we're doing our best to have patience with us. We'll get a spa in your backyard as quick as we can. But the first step is you just need to come in and see us and pick one out. Deb, the spa lady with his home innovation spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln off Industrial Road in Omaha. And uh, spasonline.com is where you can log in. What people need to do, Deb, is is pull the trigger, go pick out a spa, a swim spa, an eight-seater, a six-seater, the two-person, whatever whatever you want. Deb, you'll show them, and you, you'll, you'll treat them great like you, like you have for three decades. Yeah. Well, that's right, and it's it's not just a one-time thing. We are uh, we have a relationship for many many years. You know, we're always there to help out, and you know, you know, different chemicals, different products. So, yeah, we get to know our customers pretty well and uh, become friends with everybody. So, come in and see us, and let's start that relationship out and get your spa ordered, get it in your backyard, and. Start enjoying it. You even have some royal blue, I would believe, some different blue colors. Oh, yes. Yes, we have some really pretty uh, majestic sky is the blue color that we carry. So that just sounds good in itself. Give me the majestic sky, and uh, I will... will... I will run away happy. That is awesome. Deb, uh, hours, folks can come see you. 10 to 6, Monday through Friday, 10 to 4 on Saturday... Or go to our website anytime, and it's spasonline.com. It's Deb the Spa Lady. Go check out that majestic sky hot tub, <laughs> 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln off Industrial Road, Omaha. Spasonline.com, Deb the Spa Lady. Deb, we'll, uh, we'll check in next week and enjoy some baseball. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks, Chris. All right. Bye-bye. There she is, Deb the Spa Lady. She's the best. Majestic blue, Willie J, like your shirt, that royal blue. That would be all right. And a hot tub would be all right, just to put it simple. You could probably, like, make it happen. I mean, you've, uh, Danny Burke always, we just talked to Danny, he's out uh, in Chicago now. Danny'd always have hot tub parties. And, like, and yeah, and I'm saying, did, did you ever experience a hot tub party you're, you're, you're a college student. You know, a few times. A few times. That's one of the reasons I checked out Colorado State. They had one of the biggest hot tubs on campus. So that was your recruiting draw? Yes. Didn't have the grades, but, you know, uh, had to check it out. <laughs> and? 
It was awesome. Yeah? It yeah. was good. Nebraska's okay, though. Nebraska's great. Yes. It's fun. You're a, you're a proud, uh, soon-to-be uh, graduate in Nebraska. Wonderful. So, uh, we'll do this again tomorrow. And uh, be ready. More thoughts. Uh, we may even uh, check out uh, Victor Jones Jr. on the show tomorrow. Uh, and uh, we'll check in with Jay Moore. More spring football thoughts. More Major League Baseball. Talk to you on a Friday with Hale Varsity.